0: Welcome to Chapter 6, You Get What You Pay For. How many times have you said that before? You get what you pay for. To help focus this show, I'm going to start off with a couple of quotes. Our first quote is by a U.S. poet who graced our timeline from 1807 to 1822. His name is one you most likely have heard before. Have you heard of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? (laughs) <laughs> His quote is, we judge ourselves by what we feel capable of doing, while others judge us by what we have already done. Ooh, let me repeat that. We judge ourselves by, by what we feel capable of doing, while others judge us by what we have already Done. Mm. Now, I'm going to balance this quote with another quote that I found. Uh, It's another familiar name who shares great wisdom. I imagine you've heard of her name before, Maya Angelou. I'm sure you've heard of Maya Angelou before. Maya is an American poet who continues to enlighten us with her wisdom even today. Maya's quote is, You can ask forgiveness of others. But in the end, the real forgiveness is one own self. Ooh, once again, you can ask forgiveness of others, but in the end, the real forgiveness is in one's own self. How true, how true. And as people dance with me in this private practice of what I call soul dancing, they come to learn that quite quickly. I selected these quotes to open Chapter 6 and this show because it's important we begin to understand how the concept of judgment, think about this, judgment, how judgment plays a key role in our ability to understand not only our own worth, but the worth of others. Mm. Uncovering the difference between this worth is what this chapter is all about, and that's why we titled it You get what you pay for. (laughs) Now, if you've listened to other shows, you've already discovered that we're playing around with the word or concept known as worth. We've already discussed this concept. It's more than just a penny, pound, or peso. So far in the past shows, we've talked about worth in the form of health, love, property, power. Worth is also known as reputation, respect, time? What's wisdom worth, you wonder these days? Hmm. And isn't it amazing how we judge all these things? We judge our health based on how we're feeling, or how often we can't do something we used to be able to do. (laughs) We judge other people's health based on endless factors, factors that change all the time, (laughs) Are you old enough to recall the advertising that happened many, many decades ago that specifically promoted smoking as good for your health? Yes, it was promoted as good for your health. Now, another thing we judge in a variety of ways is love. We judge love in so many ways that I think it makes savvy philosophers cry from time to time. Clearly, we judge things many times, without even thinking about it. This chapter's title can often be said in a very judgmental way. Have you ever said to someone, well, you get what you pay for, (laughs) or have you possibly said this to yourself when something really didn't work out quite the way you wanted it to, after you spent way too much time or money or not enough time or money, you probably told yourself, well, got what I paid for, Just as worth has many different meanings, so does the word pay. Think about that. How many different ways do we pay for something? We pay attention, for example, to something or someone. (laughs) We pay dearly when we overexercise for the first time. How many times have you ever done too much yard work or do too much cleaning and your body says, oh, you're going to pay for this? <laughs> we definitely pay for it when we eat too much, especially at sitting down at those holiday tables and we stuff ourselves. We pay for it in many different ways. We pay respect to others in a variety of meanings. Hmm. To help you dive into all those meanings, Chapter 6 invites you to do a load of, quote, mental laundry. (laughs) By the end of this chapter, you're going to come to know more clearly how the phrase, you get what you pay for, is a phrase you'll want to say less and less as you become more aware of what this phrase means in so many ways. Here's a few examples to consider. Here's our first example. When was the last time you felt bad because you thought you were taken to the cleaners? <laughs> you thought somebody took you to the cleaners. And yeah, did you learn anything from that experience? Or try to recall the circumstances around that event. Did you set yourself up to be taken from the, to the cleaners? Hmm. What have you learned from it is the question. Next, do you remember a time when you felt overjoyed because you got more than you believe you paid for? If you stop and look back on that, did the person who you got that from feel as overjoyed as you did? If so, fantastic. You're on the right track. If not, what are you going to do differently next time? Next, I'm wondering... When someone cries on your shoulder about all the times they felt taken, what do you do? Conversely, (laughs) when you learn that someone got more than they paid for it at someone else's expense, what do you say? What do you do? Think about that. How often, our last bit of food to chew on, how often do you pay dearly for something because of poor planning, or just basically an out-of-control ego. (laughs) Keep in mind, you may pay dearly in more ways than just financially. For example, have you ever said or done something you really, really regretted later? What price did you have to pay later on, you wonder? We'll get into that more in Chapter 7, too, Pricing the Priceless. (laughs) So, it's time to dig up what's buried beneath the old saying, you get what you pay for. What does this really mean to you? Is it some general excuse you use when you thought you got a deal, only to find out later that the deal really wasn't a deal after all? Did it cost more money or favors in the end? Did the expression include all sorts of buried, often unknown, expectations? Expectations, you figure, Anyone with two cents of common sense would know without having to be told. So, when you say, you get what you pay for, you did you think someone got what you meant? Maybe they didn't. Has the old saying, you get what you pay for, been a proverbial slap in the face <laughs> when someone laughs at you while you're saying, oh, I should have known better. Do they laugh at you and enjoy... Your suffering while you have your pound of pity? Yeah, no judgment there, right? What other meanings does this expression bring up for you? If you'd want to, go out to paymewhatimworth.com and check out chapter six. Look for chapter six. There's a general discussion there. Click on that link. Add your opinion about what this term means. Now, let's explore some ways we might use our ability to judge in a healthy, ethical way. First, engage your judgment to recognize future inconveniences. Let me repeat that. Engage your judgment to recognize future inconveniences. What does that mean, you wonder? Hmm, Well, for example, when you get or do something, that seems pretty handy at the moment. What impact does this have to receive something in the future? For a concrete example, if you go out and buy those 2 and $3 cups of coffee every day, will you have enough money to pay someone what they're worth later on? If you allow yourself to sleep in, does it throw your entire day off? Think about that. Use your judgment the next time you want to hit the snooze button. Next, let's tap into your judgment skills to pop that peer pressure spending habit. For example, can you pinpoint what drives you to want to keep up with others? Hmm, what is that, you wonder? Could it possibly be low self-esteem? Review your results from chapter one, if that's the case. Is it to compensate for something you don't have? Is that what keeps you to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak? If that's the case, review your results from reading chapters two and three and doing your homework in those chapters. Next, another way to use our judgment, our skills of judgment on a healthy level. Prepare a plan and then do it. I have known countless peoples who create countless beautiful plans and all they do is talk about the plan. They never really get around to actually doing it. Folks, when you create a plan, do it. Review your results from chapter four if you're having problems making plans. The results from chapter four is you created a worth timeline. Those insights you gained from that exercise alone will help you do much better planning. Once you've refreshed the big picture about your life and you've reviewed those historical times where you found yourself habitually doing something you know, you know, was not in your best interest, you're much better prepared to not do them again in the future. Next, another way to use your ability to judge in a healthy way. Be kind with yourself when you judge your traditional spending cycles. Think about that, spending cycles. You get what you pay for, spending cycles. Do you overspend and then underspend and then overspend and then underspend? Be kind with yourself as you look at your spending patterns. It's much easier to create that budget and follow it than to just wing it at times. You'll avoid less headaches. So, now, this next one really is so common sense-based, it really does seem like a no-brainer. <laughs> However, our brains often mislead us. For example, <laughs> have you piled a plate so full of food thinking, Oh, I'm so starved, I've got to have a lot of food. And then when you're halfway through the plate, you go, Oh my god, I can't eat another bite. <sighs> Has that ever happened to you? Well... That happens with goal setting as well. People make really lofty goals, and then they find out that these big goals just don't pan out in the end. Here's the deal. Big dreams happen with small steps. Build big dreams with small steps. Plan how big dreams go from thought to action with tiny one-step steps size sized steps at a time. In chapters five and four, we discovered how to make some realistic goals. Review those chapters if you need to. But basically, you need to plan each step based on realistic budgets, timelines, and related resources. Now think about this. When it's tempting to cut corners, recognize the future inconveniences or costs that those corners might cost you and you may not cut those corners to begin with. Many times when people, for example, do home remodeling, they'll purchase less than quality materials. Well, it may look great for a little while, but you get what you pay for. A few years go by and it looks terrible. Then you gotta break it all out and do it all over again. Did you really save that much money? You get what you pay for. And there's also this whole thing about judgment where we need to pick a winner or loser. That's our next item, winners and losers. This really doesn't work well, folks. It doesn't work well anytime. because quite frankly, when someone loses, can you imagine how judged they feel? I would imagine you feel pretty sorely judged when you lose something. And who wants to feel bad because they're labeled a loser? It's absolutely time to dissolve our desire to judge someone in any way that makes them a loser. That's just not appropriate. You've heard this before, it bears repeating. Strive to create what is known as a win-win-win outcome. Think about this, one plus one equals three. In any situation, there's yourself, there's another person or another group, and then there's the combined you and the group, the us. The you, the me equals an us. Always strive to create a win-win-win outcome. If you don't, you're going to go through this lesson again. When when all the people involved wins, more often than not, everybody gets more than they hope they pay for. (laughs) Think about that. Last but not least, judgment heaps loads of guilt onto things. True? Think about that. Last time you were judged, did you feel guilty about something? Quite frankly, folks, it's absolutely time to end guilt. And that's what this chapter is all about. Chapter six is mental laundry exercise will help you get to a point to where not only will you not impose guilt upon someone else, but what you will begin to be able to live life with less guilt as well. Because you see guilt trips, they simply splatter stains and those invite future guilt trips. Those stains soak your mind with doubt, fear, shame. When you're feeling guilty, do you feel doubtful, fearful, shameful? Think about that. Keep your mental laundry clean of such stains known as guilt as much as possible. The next time you feel guilty about something, Do you really wish to inspire those feelings in other people by making them feel equally as guilty? Ugh. What goes around comes around, remember. So let's look at a secret ingredient to effectively, it's known to effectively permanently dissolve judgment. (laughs) You wonder what that is? I'll give you a hint. Ready? The word starts out with F O R, for. And I'll give you the last letters, they're N E S S. To figure that out. The secret ingredient to always dissolve judgments is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Remember the quote at the very beginning of the show. Now, when this desire to invoke forgiveness comes into play, you're going to work some magic. This forgiveness continues to work its magic as you become more aware of yourself in moments when you might fall back into old healthy routines. Just forgive yourself and start fresh. Remember, old habits enjoy a very powerful grip. This grip is strengthened when you forget or deny that you have that habit. <laughs> One of the best ways to dissolve a habit is to be fully aware of that habit. And always be aware of that habit will then will help you prevent harming someone by invoking that habit. Being aware that you might do something is a really good step that you really don't want to do something that should harm someone, Right? Another often overlooked way to dissolve judgment really is to really adopt the old saying, what goes around comes around. Think about this. Think about this. I've often noticed that if I fall into the trap of judging someone, hmm, it's pretty likely I'm going to be judged right back. Even worse, (laughs) I may get judged more often. (coughs) Yuck. Who wants to be judged? No, thanks. In my private practice known as soul dancing, people often find, students and clients often find ways to explore just how judgment is a primary source of pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. Sadly, all too often, people must experience way too vast amounts of pain and suffering before they decide they've had enough. I just, I I don't know why that is. I know I've gone through it myself. Can't quite put the finger on it. Now I'm recognizing the fact I don't need to do that. Let's put this a different way. (laughs) Just imagine wearing some clothes that become so dirty and smelly, so rank, you can't even stand it. You doubt, I doubt you're going to be popular with too many people if you stink so much they can't stand to be around you. Ugh, Pew Often, I think we're unaware of how bad we, quote, stink, unquote, in the form of sharing our pain with people all the time. We share this pain when we share stories of, I got what I paid for stories. When this happens, it's time for a really healthy load of laundry. Come back to Chapter 6, do the exercise again. Remember, to use the one and only brand-name detergent in your mental laundry, Called forgiveness. When you do a load of mental laundry, you might be tempted to use an off brand called forgetfulness. (laughs) Off brands like forgetfulness, and there's another off brand of laundry called denial. (laughs) Forgetfulness and denial rarely, if ever, offer you more for less. You don't get what you pay for with those. These brands help you tolerate, tolerate all those times when you don't get what you pay for. Now, who wants to put up with that? Such tolerance lays the foundation for endless cycles of disappointment and ongoing storytelling, more often than not in the form of gossip, about how you've gotten taken to the cleaners. Do you like hearing about such stories? Gosh, I hope not. Each time you allow someone to retell their bad luck story, It offers the storyteller comfort in the form of misery loves company. Eventually, such company really grows attached to its misery. This is how we get into that bottomless pit where we have so much pain. Worse yet, if you allow someone to share their story about how they received more than what they should have received... You actually support, you support an endless cycle of I'll take advantage of you since someone's taken advantage of me. Think about that. The next time someone tells you just how much they got out of somebody and they snicker about, ha ha ha, what a deal they've got. Well, guess what? Don't be surprised if they try to do the same thing to you. Hmm. This cycle perpetuates itself more quickly than you might realize. It all starts out with listening to someone's poor me or crafty me story concerning how they gave for what they received, concerning what they gave and what they received. If you listen to these pity stories, you are enabling that to happen in your life. Do yourself and the other person a favor. If it's a poor me story coming on, you might say something like, you know, I'm more interested in what you learned from what happened than the details of what happened. For example, if you find yourself in a similar situation next time, what are you going to do differently? Are you going to be taken again? Or are you going to give someone less than what they should again? How do you plan to make this promise that you will be ethical next time? That ought to get their attention. If it's a crafty story coming on, a crafty me story coming on, oh, I got such a great deal, you might say something like, hmm, well, wow, you're pretty crafty. Well, I don't really want to know all the details. Do you think the other person believed they were as lucky as you were? Hmm. If so, how do you think about how to, how so? And if not, what, were you, what are you gonna do differently in the future? You see, folks, each time you refocus and redirect a poor me or crafty me story, you save yourself from endless cycles of hot air. <laughs> While it's true, you do need to do laundry from time to time. You also need to dry your laundry. Let's see how you dry your laundry. Here's some ideas about drying your laundry, cleaning your mind after you've done a little bit of healthy mental laundry. Let's fold it up. Let's begin to wrap up chapter six. Here's, I have four uh, summary items. Four items. Number one. Awareness. Here's how you can be helpful in creating a wonderful outcome in your mental laundry. Awareness. Be more aware of those times when you experienced an imbalance between what you gave and what you received. Be more aware of those times and you most likely won't do it again. Two, learning. (laughs) As you become more aware of how you feel about any imbalance between what you receive and what you gave... Learn from it. Learn as much as you can. Brainstorm ways to better balance giving and receiving. That's what we do in Chapter 6, is we help you brainstorm ways that you can do a better job at balancing giving and receiving. Pick the best ideas from your brainstorming and put them into action. Make your plan. Number three, forgiveness. Based on what you've learned and the results of your brainstorming of your mental laundry, Allow yourself to forgive yourself completely if you need to. Absolutely completely. How will you know if you've forgiven yourself completely? Well, it's actually quite simple. You'll find yourself not saying the old phrase, I got what I paid for. Number four, protect yourself from others who want pity or praise for not getting what they paid for or getting too much of what they paid for. Do you really want to listen to another story about being taken advantage of or taken advantage to someone else? Do you really want to listen to that? Instead of hearing such stories, invite them to tell you what they learned from all those times and how they might do things differently. The more often you do this, the less likely you'll need to do a load of mental laundry. And if you need to, come back to this chapter. Do the exercises again in this chapter if you need to do another load of mental laundry.